0: Welcome back, lovely listeners. Here we are, another beautiful Sunday on the radio. It's Oops, I Missed Church on KMZN. I'm your host, Michael Everton, here with the one and only Troy Dias. Hello there. Ah, Troy. So good to hear you. So good to have you. You've never been on the radio. I've never been on the radio. And you've never been to Iowa. I've never been to Iowa, Iowa. no. But now your voice has. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not something I've thought about. You'll have people that'll know who you are now when you go... Hello Iowa. <laughs> just kidding. We don't have that many listeners, but <laughs> they might. Um, well, right on, dude. I'm so grateful that you're willing to do this. You said earlier you're you're trying to be you're saying yes more.
1: Yeah, I
0: do. Did you ever see the movie Yes Man? Yes, I have. How old were you when you saw it? Probably 18 or 19. Okay, it's a, and you're 26 now. Yeah, you just turned 26. Nice, Happy birthday, uh, 26. Thank you, thank you, man. <laughs> Okay, that's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. 25 always feels like a sort of unique year because when you're younger, you look at your 20s and think, whoa, those guys are so old. (laughs) And then when you get to your 20s, you think, my goodness, I'm such a child. Yeah. And I feel when you hit 25, there's sort of this, it's your prefrontal cortex is finally done developing and you're kind of, I don't know, the whole adulthood feels much more settled in, I guess. Yeah. So how was 25 for you? What do you feel is one of the biggest things you learned last year? That's a really great question, actually. This year or last year? I guess just from just 25 to, to 25
1: 26. 26. That's a really great question. I would say brokenness. I would say Ooh. brokenness, yeah. I would say brokenness. Whoa. Yeah. How
0: so? And can you, you want to talk about it? Of course, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So brokenness is like, I guess, in terms of like a, a Christian perspective, you know, you grow up kind of understanding the world's kind of broken and not how it intended to, to function. Mm. And then you have all these life experiences. And, and, you know, when you grow up and you're young, you kind of, you have disguised truths about the world. And, you know, like, like you said, when you get to 25, you kind of start to have those experiences under your belt. When you're young, you know, you're kind of naive, you haven't had too much interesting, unique experiences depending on where you come from. Mm. I think last year, last year was an interesting year in in terms of like saying yes more, like you just introduced. I, I had never traveled alone before. Mm. I had been in a relationship. Um, I had went, you know, just swimming to an island like two kilometers out by myself. And Whoa. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. You swam two kilometers in the ocean? Yeah, yeah. Probably give or take maybe like a couple hundred meters, but that wow. was in uh, New Caledonia. Um, I had seen this island and the water was crystal clear, not too deep. And yeah, I just started swimming and went up to this little rock island and I was just there alone contemplating things. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but brokenness in terms of... Just seeing like your own brokenness, you know, I think for me Mm. personally, I had gone through life prior to 25 kind of with disguised pride and like ego that I didn't Mm. know that I I contained and, and, um, yeah, just kind of operated almost unconsciously in a a sense. Like Mm. I didn't realize the behaviors or the actions and the motives behind them, um, Mm. And eventually, you know, had the end of a relationship with a with an old friend who was part of my life for about eight years. And and you kind of have those interesting perspectives and and kind of heartbreaking experiences or shapes that you kind of try to form after after interesting experiences like that. And I think brokenness for me is yeah, just realizing at your core like I am I am broken, like I, you know, mm. sometimes I am in need of certain things that I'm not proud of or I might seek validation or attention in ways that I,
0: yeah. I don't hope to be or hope to as a man. Um, yeah. It's frustrating how easy it is to forget our need yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Or just our, yeah, that innate brokenness that yeah, exists, yeah. you know. I think we live in a culture and society this day and age that is so... Um, sort of determined to Mm. hide weakness Mm. and hide brokenness Mm. where it ends up leading to so much insincerity and inauthenticity. And and you realize that that's so unsustainable Mm. when you operate in that way. And yeah, so good good on you for, (laughs) for going through that, you know? Yeah,
1: it's interesting. Like you learn about brokenness and then... It, in a way, it's like a beautiful blessing because right. wherever you go, if you can see the brokenness in yourself, you can see it in a more compassionate way towards mm. others. You know, yeah. like I think prior to to experiencing or just understanding brokenness a bit more, it's, you know, you can always know that someone has reasons or motives behind, but if you never really experienced it yourself, it's hard to kind of actually align with that truth. Yeah. And then when you when you see it in yourself in, in ways that you had never thought before, you can kind of realize, okay, like I'm essentially the same, you know, like I'm just in need of wanting to feel better or, you know, wanting to
0: appear more confident or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And just like the desire to be liked. Yeah. 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 That's a huge thing I've realized mm-hmm. in my own life of how much I craved the approval of others, yeah. you know, or yeah. just the immediate um sort of validation or friendship from people yeah because oh i need them to like me yeah you know and and they not it's
1: not necessarily a bad thing right like
0: right you know. yeah it's a it's an interesting thing because i feel you need to as you grow up learn to be okay with not being accepted and liked by everybody yeah you know yeah. And that can be a tricky thing. That's one of the hardest things. Yeah, Yeah. especially if you're a people pleaser, Yeah, which I come from a long line of people (laughs) pleaser. Yeah, no,
1: I actually, I heard an interesting thing about people pleasing. Um, It was kind of, when you think about people pleasing, some people might think of it negatively. Some people might think of it positively. Mm -hmm. But the way I heard it was people pleasing is not necessarily about the other person trying to please them. It's more about the person trying to feel safe for them. So, you know, for me I don't like to use the phrase people pleasing because maybe that's ego, maybe that's pride, but I don't want to go out of my way to please someone else at the detriment to myself. Right. Ultimately, I want to feel safe. And so, you know, going back to what we were saying about unconscious behaviors or or you know, attitudes that you might have you do it almost to, to feel safe for yourself, depending on right. you know, why you might feel unsafe
0: for various reasons that we could probably speak about. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting too, all the ways that we can do things trying to be selfless mm. and it ends up actually being kind of selfish Yeah. because you're doing it sort of for yourself to make yourself feel better, you know? Mm. And it's yeah that's the thing about people pleasing it's not necessarily a bad thing to mm. be a people pleaser mm. I think if it comes at the cost of taking care of yourself mm. then it can be um, or even just standing up for yourself mm. that's something I've realized mm. where like I, I was such a hardcore people pleaser that it was mm. difficult for me to ever sort of stand my ground mm. and say no actually I don't want to do that yeah, you know yeah because it was you know, just peer pressure or whatever. It was mm. easy for me to go with the flow mm. and then say, oh, yeah, I'm a people pleaser, mm. you know, and kind of brush it off in that mm. way. Do you think and, that people pleasing also made you feel a bit safe as well in that um, sense? I think, yeah, because it immediately, it makes those you're pleasing yeah. uh, accept you quicker, yeah. you know, or yeah. feel that they can trust you or mm. bring mm. you into the fold, you mm. know. And so, yeah, I think there's it's an interesting dynamic because, yeah, yeah I want to be a thoughtful and caring person to everybody mm. that I meet, you mm. know, and if that's people pleasing, then sure, I guess i'm <laughs> i I'll be a people pleaser, you know, yeah, but then at the same time, I want to hold on to my values and actually mm. uh, something I've thought a lot about is the whole idea of desire and knowing what you want mm. and how often. I've not let myself, um, you know, know what I want because I've gotten too focused on what do other people want from me mm. or what's expected mm. of me, you know, mm. or what's the obligation here for me to live a certain way or do a certain thing mm. for the sake of pleasing these people, mm. you know? And so, I th- yeah, it's an ongoing discovery, I feel. yeah, Yeah, yeah. man. Right on. (laughs) So, Troy, you grew up in Sydney. I grew up in Sydney, yes. And how do you feel about it? You want to stay here forever? That's another great question. Um, A lot of people here that I've asked that to, they say, yeah, why would I go anywhere else? (laughs) And I get that because you have so much here. Hmm. But maybe it's just different Mm -hmm. for me because I grew up in such small towns and I had an awareness of how much world was out there. Mm. That staying in one spot always just seems so non-attractive to mm. me.
1: I don't. I don't want to stay in Sydney forever. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a whole world out there, and right. you know, I I enjoy traveling and having the privilege of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blessed enough to have traveled to quite a few countries so far this year, and. I think I calculated it actually. I spent two months overseas this year. and Oh, cool. And it was was so staggered, you know, like I'd gone to Sri Lanka in January. I'd randomly go to Fiji in April. I had gone to um, Borneo in July. We went to Thailand. We went to Malaysia. And at the beginning of the year, I had no plans for any of it. Mm. Um, Sydney is a very wonderful place in terms of, you know, the infrastructure. And Australia is such a great country. Um, Yeah, you're good. But for me, when I go to these countries, you know, like Borneo or Thailand or Sri Lanka, um, I'm just so immersed in the different culture and the way that people live and the way that people think and the way that they worship God. The way right. that I feel in those countries, for me, South Asia, I have like a really interesting connection to the land. Like when mm. I go to Sri Lanka, even though I was born in Australia, whenever I go there, I just feel, I feel at home, you know, in a sense, mm. you know, like. At the that's moment,
0: where your parents are from, right? That's,
1: yeah, that's where my parents are from. And I'm trying to learn the language at the moment, oh, cool. So that's, yeah, taking about 10 lessons so far and, you know, tick up. Pulong. Tikka Pulong, what's that? That's, uh, I can speak a little if uh, we've got any Sri Lankan listeners, although they'll Maybe. probably write it and say you've, you've butchered that. Nah. Um, but, yeah, I think Sydney, because I've grown up here and I just recently started travelling and, yeah, just seeing the world for what it is and that, you know, there's a whole function in society in another country that yeah. knows nothing about you and knows nothing about the people that you know and but in a way that they share the same like innate values sometimes. Mm. And, you know, they also have to eat dinner. They also have to eat breakfast. Right. And, you know, they're doing these normal things, the same that you're doing just in another country and in, in a very different way. And, mm. yeah, we've, I've had so many beautiful experiences overseas this year and I hope to go back to Sri Lanka one day maybe and spend a bit more time there. After I've learnt the language.
0: Aren't you going again soon?
1: I'm going soon, yeah. I'll leave next week just for a couple of weeks. Okay. But I'd really love to go there and immerse myself in the culture there and, you know, maybe work there or, yeah, um, you know, maybe teach teach kids some, some type of... You could teach English. Yeah, teach English, yeah. yeah. Or, or even in another country, I'd really, really, really love to do that.
0: Ah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think you will. Thank That's you. That's good. Thank and you. I always think... Uh, traveling seems to be the best form of education Mm. in my mind. Just in overall, um, like, social Mm. understanding, Mm. you know, I think you gain a a deeper recognition and understanding of just how wildly different and similar Mm. everyone is. Mm. You know, we've all got such... Just in the cultural differences and then the yeah the innate human needs that we all share, mm-hmm. and one of those primary ones being connection mm. and family and friends, there's such a need for that, and I love that it's universal, mm. you know where and when you go to so many different places, the hospitality and kindness of people mm. is insane, yeah and I think in the Western world, it's easy to lose sight of that
1: mm.
0: because of how much of a Convenience-based society we lived in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, where an interesting and it's life. such a sort of self-reliant. Yeah, you got to take care of your own and do your own thing and be independent all the mm. time. Mm. And it doesn't seem to be that way in less Western nations, yeah. you know. Yeah, where it's more. Yeah, I don't know. People seem to take look out for one another more. Yeah, and I even in smaller towns i yeah. think it's still that way yeah. even in the western world but in the big cities it seems it's harder to i don't know it the just the independence and self-reliance seems much more prevalent yeah. and the very like hustle bustle yeah. kind of got to make money yeah because well, it's so expensive to yeah, yeah, live yeah. here, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's like you know when you're
1: walking down the street in Sydney, or if you're down in Sydney, you see someone, you very rarely a stranger, you very rarely will strike up a conversation with them. Mm. If you're overseas, there's something about you know being more open to speaking to strangers. Yeah, or maybe that's maybe that's not a widely experienced thing, or it might be, but you know, even the shop attendants or not just the people that you see, it's it's you're you're opening up more you're mm. they're opening up more it's definitely just an interesting way of you know having that opportunity to speak to strangers and you know like you said yeah share a share a connection because it's an innate desire right
0: right yeah i I love the way so much that travel just sort of deepens your empathy for others mm-hmm. and Yeah, I think it's just super important to remain teachable Mm -hmm. and have a desire to learn wherever you go rather than go to a place with this idea of I'm here to teach, you know, Mm -hmm. but more with the attitude of what can I learn here Mm -hmm. and even how can I serve here, Mm -hmm. you know, to make a positive impact here Mm -hmm. rather than just take, take, take. Mm -hmm. Because I think, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in, oh, what can I gain from this? What can Mm, I gain? mm. Rather than, what can I learn? Mm. And yeah, I guess gaining and learning could be considered the same thing, but you know what I mean. I Mm. think just to, yeah. When I hear stories of people going to places and, I don't know, the whole white savior complex Mm. that I've heard about and stuff, because I know tons of missionaries, and the majority of them I would never consider to be those white savior types, but much more focused on immersing themselves in the culture Mm. and becoming like those Mm. in the local culture and trying to be a good neighbor, Mm. you know, rather Mm. than trying to, you know, change everything or bring American values or whatever to a place. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like that. Can I ask you a question? Please, yeah, go ahead, man. Is there any experience you've had overseas that has taught you like a really interesting Mm -hmm. lesson that you've taken forward or like a perspective that might have changed
0: in your life? Yeah, I think I've been... One thing, my family took us on a family trip to Mexico Mm -hmm. when when I was quite young. I think I was six or seven the first time I went. And that alone was a huge just worldview expander Mm. because just getting to, we went to an orphanage and we would live there for a month and just serve and kind of hang out and just getting to meet all these kids, you know, who I couldn't even necessarily communicate with because I didn't speak Spanish, but I could still play with them, you know, and seeing this beautiful sort of kids just being kids, Mm. you know, and realizing oh, these cultural differences Mm. really don't matter Mm. in so many ways because Mm. we can still have fun and play games, you know. And that stuck with me too in the way, um, well, just in seeing so much poverty as well Mm. where seeing these people living in poverty but still having joy, Mm -hmm. you know, it Mm -hmm. helped my perspective so much of... Mm-hmm. just how spoiled I felt, mm-hmm. you know, or how blessed I felt in so many ways because, man, I never had to worry about food, mm-hmm. you know, or or a place to sleep or mm-hmm. anything like that or whether my or not my parents loved me, mm-hmm. you know. And so just to be among orphans mm-hmm. and then folks that were living in the dump mm-hmm. and different things, you know, it was such a wild eye-opening experience mm-hmm. of just seeing, man... When I am tempted to complain about my video game not working or something, Mm -hmm. it was so good for me to actually be in this culture and realize, oh, like, I'm so incredibly blessed, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, I think um, I got to go to Peru when I was 18. Mm. And we went on a service mission trip there with the school that I was at this ministry school and that helped me a ton just because it made me realize or just I loved the excitement of that and Mm -hmm. the sort of having to go with the flow and not really know what was next necessarily but I was always a pretty positive like happy dude yeah and so it was fun on these mission teams that we were on we got assigned roles and my role was sort of like the hype man or just the guy to like (laughs) help keep spirits up when things got tough. Yeah. And I loved it, you know, because it was just so fun to help sort of help everyone shift their perspective to realize like we're here to help. And it's such a joy to be here in this new place, you know? And yeah, we got to like stay a night in this little village on the Amazon river. Wow. And we dug a toilet for them. Wow. And The bugs were awful, you know, and all these things. And so much stuff we could complain about. It was so hot and all these things. But just to be there and amongst the culture, it helped with so much of the perspective shift, realizing that, man, so many of the things we complain about are so petty. 100%. You know, and like what a privilege to be able to complain about the things we do, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think those... Were big experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most. Mo- it's harder to see that in most travel that I've done to more developed mm. countries and stuff because. Definitely. Yeah, and it's also been interesting going in a wheelchair mm. as opposed to going as an able-bodied person mm. because that was. It's just a kind of different ball game, you know, because mm. it's mm. yeah, it's kind of tricky in a mm. wheelchair, mm. but it still is so beautiful mm. and even. Coming to Australia, you know mm. this is overseas for me mm. and it's interesting to see how similar mm. Australia and America mm. are um, and I think, yeah, I feel the biggest difference is Australia is way more influenced by England mm. and then the in Sydney alone, just the cultural diversity mm. is way more than you know, cities that aren't L.A. or New York Mm. because those are the two primary hubs of super multiculturalism, you know. Mm. But in every city in America, you can get pretty much every culture from all Mm. over the world. But it's so easy to get in your little bubbles, Mm. you know. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. It's There's been a lot. I I feel like I learn stuff every time I travel anywhere. I love that. And it's been... It's been interesting being in a place like Australia because of how similar it feels to mm, America mm, in a lot of ways. Mm.
1: Yeah. But. I like that you said, what a privilege it is to complain about the things that we can. Like, oh, man.
0: I agree with that so much. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I like get annoyed with myself yeah. sometimes yeah. when I complain because I'm thinking, what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I get annoyed at myself and, I sometimes I do get annoyed at others, and oh, that's where sure. like the brokenness part comes in because you know sometimes we don't actually know better, yeah, you know like you said you've had we've had that those opportunities to go to south asia and or you know peru and and it's yeah, it's kind of like we must know before we can actually realize, and you mm-hmm. know obviously if you ask someone, you know if, are you privileged someone's you know anyone's gonna say yes, but do you really know your privilege?" Sometimes you know it's hard to actually kind of realize that sometimes because like you For said sure. you know we always get caught up in our own bubble
0: yeah and as much as everyone is privileged everyone is you know a victim in some yeah. way you know i broken, think road. that yeah, yeah there's i think that's a thing too where the it's easy to get on the privilege train yeah, and think like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm so awful because of all this yeah. privilege I have, yeah. forgetting that, no, you still have yeah. situations and conditions that are mm. unique to you mm. that are still suffering. Definitely. You know, it's a negative circumstance. Yeah. And I think it's easy to get to lose sight of that yeah. in both ways, both, yeah. both directions. But. You kind of got to be careful which, which way you lean towards almost every yeah. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just practice, trying to practice awareness of yourself and of others. Mm. And yeah. And just, I try and be super um, slow to condemn, Mm. you know, because Mm. I think it's really easy to write people off sometimes Mm. or hear somebody say something culturally insensitive or Mm. do something that's, you know, offensive. Yeah. And... I try to not let myself get offended too hard, you know, because I think so often getting offended, we end up giving power to the person that's trying Mm. to offend us, you know, rather than realizing like, and it's good to stand up for people, Mm. you know, and like seek justice in Mm. situations. Mm. But I think also we need to... Look at the situation or the person that's saying something or doing mm. something wrong mm. and trying to realize, okay, why are they being this way? Mm. You know, or what happened to them? Yeah, yeah, that makes them act in this way. Yeah, rather than just completely disregarding everything they have to say forever, right? You know, yeah. or like writing them off. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. which I've been guilty of in the past. Myself. Oh, me too, man. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I had an experience in, um, I was on Instagram a couple a couple months ago mm. and I was watching one of these Instagram reels and it was a girl who had climbed a mountain and I think the caption was kind of like, you know, when you climb a mountain that people have died on, like many people have died trying and it's extremely hard and you get to the top and she was just like smiling and giggling. It was like one of those type of Instagram videos and I remember watching it and... I, I got so something rolled up in me at that point mm. because I had a experience a few months ago where I'd climbed a mountain in Borneo mm. and in the beginning, like I wanted to do it for fun and just as like an adventure, you know. Yeah. And the more I looked into that mountain, like just reading some of the stories a couple months before we had left, we had read that two people have passed away. Mm. And at that point it kind of switched and it's like, you know, this is not just something people do for fun. You know, obviously accidents can happen anywhere. Right. And a few years ago there was an earthquake as well, which had unfortunately had a few casualties as well. Mm. And then the more you look into those things, you're like, why Why am I doing this? You know, I was initially doing it for fun, but I realized that there are people that have lost their lives. And like you said, you kind of have to be careful where you go with both sides of the coin. Mm. It's kind of almost in like a respectful way. Okay, I am doing this mountain. I'm going to hike it. But I also know that this isn't just like this immensely pleasurable thing. I'm a lucky person to be able to climb and, mm. you know, thank God that I can come down safely. And I saw this video and I, really, I was like backspacing and writing like, look, it is a great achievement to climb a mountain. I just really wish you phrased that. Mentioning people dying on that mountain differently, you know, like it's certainly something to be proud about.
0: Yeah, but. Inconsiderate.
1: Yeah. But then, like you said, I I didn't want to condemn someone, you know, Mm. I I don't know what they were thinking. I didn't know if they shared the same perspective that I have, who am I to say that my perspective is right. And, right, you know, so eventually I backspaced and, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) moved
0: on. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing, too, that's tricky about the internet, man. Yeah. I find if ever I'm tempted to write a negative <laughs> comment, I sort of, or I sort of made it a rule for myself because I've had Twitter for quite a long time. Yeah. I don't tweet that often, but yeah. I made it a a point when I got it of, I never want to say anything like mean or yeah, negative really. yeah. I just want any presence online that I have, I want it to be nice. Yeah. You uplifting. know, or, yeah, just yeah. like something pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's so wild when you see how many people online do not view it that way, you know? Yeah. Or it's just this wasteland sometimes of some of the most heinous things yeah. that people will say because they don't have that or if they're being anonymous as well, that yeah. makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, because yeah. nobody knows who you are and you can say mm. whatever you want. Mm. But even then, I think man, I just I never like I never had an anonymous presence online, really, Mm, mm. because I thought, no, I just want to be me, Mm. you know. But yeah, it's pretty wild. And I remember back in the day, just reading through Facebook comments of people (laughs) arguing. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty funny sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And it can be entertaining, but it's also just like, what are you guys yeah, doing? Yeah, why bother, right? Yeah, You what? know, it can go on for a long time. And... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, convin- what are you going to convince yeah, someone exactly of? exactly, right. By typing more aggressively, you yeah. know? Yeah.
1: But I think, interestingly, like, for me, where I was coming from with writing that comment, I was almost trying to be self-righteous. You know, like, mm. I had this viewpoint that it's a privilege to climb a mountain and we should, you know, if there are people that have passed away on that mountain, we don't need to mention them in a negative light or in like a an egotistical way that, you know, mm. we've climbed this mountain and, you know, yes, you know, we've done something that people have died trying. You know, I don't think it's something to be proud of, but I really don't know the reasons why that person might have written or phrased it that way and, and yeah, yeah like I, I don't want to be self-righteous so I ended up backspacing and, you know, mm. I've got to watch watch what kind of offends me or mm. or kind of, um, you know, I have opinions about and just make sure I reframe it and, okay, like... Look, she said what she said. I'm not gonna be able to convince someone of my viewpoint all all the time, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just tough because it's then it's how much is your comment just gonna give her the feeling of oh, I got haters? Yeah. Right. Right? Which people wear like a badge <laughs> yeah. sometimes. You know? Yeah. 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 Where, and yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. It's interesting. It is. I think it's so good to operate. From a place of empathy. Yeah. You know, and try to understand, okay, why would someone say something like this? Yeah. And then also be okay with not saying anything. Yeah. You know, because I think so often we feel this need Mm. to get our voice out there. Mm. And I think it's good to use your voice Mm. and stand up for the oppressed Mm. and things like Mm. that. But I also think sometimes it's good to to just live offline and... Mm focus more on how can we love mm. our neighbors in mm. real life, Yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But yeah, that's also, I mean, there's, it's so wild just to all the different, because there's so many things that voices could be added to, mm. you know, or things that aren't getting enough air time. Mm. But it's, it's hard to know where to begin with that mm. because there's just so much. Man. Almost like the same pick your battles, right? You know, like you really want right. to
1: choose where you go and what can be productive and where you can see output.
0: Yeah, and what are you gonna prioritize and put your focus towards? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. Um, so the movie Yes Man <laughs> Yeah. I remember I watched that that was the first movie I ever saw in mm-hmm. theaters by myself. Wow. I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And I um a friend was supposed to join me, but they bailed. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm still going to watch this movie. And that movie had a wild impact on me. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think just because I I was so intrigued by that concept of just yeah. saying yes to everything, <laughs> it probably led to making some poor decisions throughout <laughs> high school. But, I, uh, yeah, it's just funny to reflect on that and yeah. how, yeah, movies, just the influence that we can have sometimes. yeah. yeah bestowed upon us by film or Mm. music or Mm. different things yeah Mm. do you have a favorite movie that's a hard question but are there any movies that stand out to you yes there is actually let's hear it
1: yeah i'm not sure if you've heard of it there's a movie called lion oh man have you seen
0: Lion? who yeah i watched lion and lego batman (laughs) (laughs) back to back in theaters interesting choice when i was in spokane washington one time yeah and i was kind of going through a hard time and god like spoke to me through both of those movies (laughs) because there's it's an orphan story in each movie yeah because robin is a little orphan and batman adopts him (laughs) and then lion yeah yeah. yeah I just bawled my eyes out. I cried in both movies, dude. <laughs> it was so wild to watch Lion <laughs> and cry so much and think this Did you is watch new. Lion first? Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Lego Batman just cuz I had time to kill and I was like, I'm going to watch two movies yeah. tonight. And it was just God reminding me of, you know, this whole idea of being a spiritual orphan. Yeah. And then adopted into the family of Christ. Yeah. And how wild that is. Yeah. And it was, I just, I thought it was so brilliant and just hilarious and beautiful the way that those (laughs) movies both had an orphan character, you know, and it was, yeah, yeah, I was just, I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. I think that's probably the first movie I've ever
1: cried in, Lion. Really? Lion, yeah. Mine
0: was A Walk to Remember. (laughs) I don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a Nicholas Sparks book. Okay. It's a... the, it's a love story, mm. and the girl gets cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make you cry. And I think I was, yeah, probably five or six when I saw it. But I is that the one with Mandy Moore in it? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen snippets of it. Oh man, <laughs> it's been a long time. But I remember as a kid. Yeah. Definitely crying, yeah. And thinking, "Wow, what's <laughs> happening?" Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, those experiences shape you, you know. Like, yeah. crying in a movie. I think that can also be like such a beautiful thing where there's art that can make you cry or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever movie it is, like Lego Batman or, or you know, like Lion or A Walk to Remember. Um, I can't think of any other movies off the top of my head, but they can there's have such profound experiences on you. and And yeah, I remember watching Lion and I was watching it with my family and the end scene, I don't want to spoil it because, you know, there might be people that want to For watch sure. it now. If you're listening, please do watch it. It's yeah. a great Australian it's, movie. And I actually so met good. the real life Saru in Tasmania. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Tasmania with my family and we bumped into him and Whoa. we had a nice chat. And it was, yeah, it was amazing seeing him in real life.
0: You know, Mike Gore? No. He was my guest a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and he has. A wildly similar story mm. where he was an orphan in India wow. and adopted by an Australian family Wow, and years later got to meet not his parents, yeah but the woman who like sneaked him across the border, got him into bribed some nuns to wow. take him, and like she now lives here in Sydney yeah and they got to meet. It's amazing. So, isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, man, it's so wild. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good movie. I'm glad. That's a great <laughs> one to be. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen it, friends, you should go watch that movie. Please do watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, we've been talking for about uh, almost 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I usually do two segments. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, let's take a little break if that's all right. Yeah. Okay. And you're down to come back for a little more? Definitely. Awesome. Friends, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ooh, welcome back, beloved listener. It's the second hour now. I'm still here with Troy Dias, and we are going to read some poems for you, as we often like to do in the second hour. I'll start things off. going to read one from Christian Wyman. This is called, Good Lord, the Light. Good morning, misery. Goodbye, belief. Good Lord, the light. Cutting across the lake. So long gone to ice. There is an under always. Through which things still move, breathe, and have their being. Quick coals and crimsons. No one needs see to see. Good night, knowledge. Goodbye beyond, good God the winter. One must wander one's own soul to be.
1: There it was. Nicely done. Thank you. And I will be reading a poem from Louis Lamour. Louis Lamour. Louis Lamour, called Tranquility. I wander down along the oak clad hills where twilight lives beneath the tranquil trees, along dim aisles untouched by passing breeze where perfume that the violet distills, becomes the essence of the shade and fills, with fragrance all the gloomy corridor. I walk along the shadowed forest floor and think of things that solitude instills. No sound disturbs the fading afternoon, as mellow dreams come drifting down the years. Remembered thoughts, a half-forgotten tune, an endless chain of hopes and smiles and tears. So turning from almost forgotten ills, I wander back along the oak-clad hills.
0: Nice. I like that. Beautiful. Louis L'Amour is a famous uh, Western writer, mm. like old cowboy stories. I like that. I'm going to have yeah. to take a look into Louis L'Amour. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. Well, thank you for reading that. My pleasure. Troy, um, I wonder, Troy, have you ever written a poem? Many. Yeah? <laughs> many, many, yes. Oh, right on. Are you into poetry? Pretty hard? Yeah, when the heart feels like it, right? When yeah. the heart
1: feels something, you you write poems, like, mm. I guess, for some people. Do you yeah. play
0: music ever? Or have you ever?
1: No, I never played music. I started learning the clarinet, I think, in, oh, cool. in year six. And, and, you know, when you're a kid, you don't want to learn an instrument. And when you're older, you're like, why didn't I learn that instrument? Right, right? yeah. <laughs> Um, and I took a few guitar lessons and and stopped. I was always more into daydreaming. And
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, very much like that. Yeah, that tranquility. I yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, Troy, you had an accident. Mm. When was this accident? So this accident was in 2020 in oh, March, man. just before COVID
1: hit wow, Australia. what yeah. a time. Yeah. And walk us through it. What happened? Yeah. Thanks for asking me. Of um, course. It's a, it's a bit of an interesting one. I was a, a bit of a scooter boy, one of those electric scooters with my best friend. and
0: Like that you push with your foot?
1: No, the electric ones where you so can really zoom. So like a little moped? Yeah, uh, yeah, like the straight ones that you'd push off with your foot and then you'll kind of, you know, rev it and then okay. it'll go up to, you know, some of them can go up to 50 kilometers an hour, 45 kilometers an hour. Gotcha. Pretty fast, yeah. Yeah. You know the ones that you can rent sometimes on the street? Yes. Some In some states, yeah. We don't have it legally allowed in New South Wales, but in, in Canberra, I think, in South Australia, in some states they have it, and in South Asia they also have it, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you were on one of those? Yeah, so... Here in Sydney? Here in
1: Sydney, yeah. So we got them because back then we were working in the city and we'd want to take a scooter from the train station to our workplace to avoid walking and also they're really fun yeah no doubt (laughs) they're illegal i'm pretty sure in new south wales um but yeah we were doing tricks on them so we would you know rev it and then break and then skid um and we'd love doing that you know that was so much fun um we'd do it in the rain you know we'd ride from you know we'd go for a few stations off early with my best friend and we'd just ride home and it was so much fun um One day after work, I still remember the day, March 16th, I I got out of work. It was about 5.15 p.m. It was raining and we had skidded so many times and we'd kind of almost worn out the (sighs) tyres and it was raining and I went out and revved it straight away and I went to do a skid. So I slammed the brakes because of the, the wet floor. It just skidded. I lost my balance, my foot, my... Right leg just it broke my tib and fib my tibular amphibia um broke into places and it was bad you know and I remember just falling off and just instantly knowing something was wrong
0: yeah
1: uh, I lifted up my leg and you know it was one of like those basketball injuries where you see it really Ugh. you know yeah and apologies to you any can, listeners that you can tell it's
0: just wobbly and naughty. yeah
1: yeah so I had to stay down and. Um, I was basically lying down and when I was lying down, it didn't look like anything was wrong. (laughs) The funniest story actually to that is three of like the biggest directors for the employee that we work for, employer that we work for actually walked past us and they're like, are you all right? What are you doing? And you know, me not wanting to cause a scene was full like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm just taking a rest. Just had a small fall. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, ah, see you Monday (laughs) or something along the lines of that. And, uh, I was in so much pain, just grit in my teeth and Mm. eventually the ambulance came and a lovely, you know, passerby was waiting with us and my best friend was with me. And once the pain started intensifying, I was just like gripping his hand. Yeah. Um, then the ambos came ambulance and they gave me the green whistle, which I'm not sure if you, you have it in America or Iowa, but it's basically this whistle that you suck on and they put a really strong painkiller in. I think it's morphine inside and you're just, you know, sucking on it. Um, and I was out like that. That was really interesting experience that apparently I've said things during that time while I was on that green whistle that my best friend won't repeat to me even still. (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, eventually uh, we got to the hospital and it was a broken tib and fib, so not too serious you would think. And (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I was, I was kind of freaking out, I guess. And like, you know, is this going to be okay? They were like, yeah, we're going to put you under and we'll put a steel, like a titanium rod and put a few screws in. And I was like, is that the only way? Like, what happens if we just leave it? Can we just leave it? And they were like, no, we have to do this for it to grow back stronger and be in place. Wow. And so, you know, I called my parents that night and I was like, hey, don't come in. There's, there's no point. Um, you know, I'm going to go through surgery tomorrow, but you can come after. It was already about like, I think 8 PM or something like that. Mm. told my best friend to go home and that's pretty much all I remember for the next two, like that's all I remember. And then basically a, a week or two later, I woke up. Whoa. Um. You were out for that long? Yeah. So what happened in surgery was I stopped breathing and my lungs kind of collapsed and, Oh. I had this condition called negative pressure pulmonary edema. And it's basically when your lungs fill up with so much pressure um, and they just shut down. And I don't know too much about the condition. And even still when I go to the doctors and they're looking at my history, they, not many doctors have heard of it. Wow. Um, and so I was intubated and I was in ICU for I think just under two weeks. Um, and then my leg got this condition called compartment syndrome which basically it, the pressure builds up in your leg and it starts to eat the nerves. Yeah. And so if they don't release the pressure, they may have to amputate your leg and like the pain and itself, the condition can also cause death. Wow. Um, so I had these two conditions where you can die from. And yeah, basically I woke up in hospital and I think what I remember was the nurse was asking me, what's the date, Troy? And I was like, it's March 16th. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, it's not. It's March 28th or, or something like that. Whoa. And I was just like, what? And I started hearing these things from the nurses saying, you know, cinemas have been shut down, um, markets have been shut down, everything's in lockdown. I woke up and it was it wow. was intense. It was like the, like, you know, like the Walking Dead where Rick wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up and... Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. My both my parents could only come one at a time because of COVID restrictions. And when I started to hear what had happened, um, when my parents found out, yeah, my heart just sunk because I remember hearing that my dad saw me just laying there intubated and he touched me and I was apparently stone cold. And he asked if I was breathing. And when my mum had told me that. I think I just, I started crying, you know, just realizing what, what had happened and what that had done to my family. And, Mm. um, yeah, I started having these really intense hallucinations because of the medicine I was on. Um, Mm. really anxious and just really crazy hallucinations. I'd try to wave at the nurses to get their attention and they just walked past me and yeah, it was really, really interesting. What kind of hallucinations? I I had a hallucination where um, one of them was, one of the, one of the lovely nurses was like planting a chip in my nails. Wow. And like just to, <laughs> yeah, just to a like... A chip, like a, like a microchip computer to, chip? Yeah, kind of like surveillance. And I remember being, being like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. Wow. And I had another hallucination where I... Was in an American university and I was at a gym (laughs) (laughs) bench pressing and, (laughs) and lifting weights. And, and, um, when I came out of it or when I uh, was speaking to the nurse, I said, was I lifting weights? And she was like, yeah, you were, you were just lifting your arms up and down. Um, so it was interesting. It was, I think it was the medicine and I had become really anxious as well. It was, it was an interesting experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you were in the hospital for about two weeks?
1: Uh, I think all up just close to three, four weeks, okay. maybe under. And yeah, eventually, once I started to recover, um, I got transferred to the ward. So out of ICU, the mm. intensive care unit. And yeah, from there, it it, it almost got worse mentally. Um, because i had stopped breathing in surgery. I was scared of future surgeries. Oh, yeah. So I'd wake up. I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up just stop. I'd gasping for air, um, wow, wow. and I remember I didn't want to. Actually, I never told anyone this until two weeks ago. I actually, told your wife's sister when I met her, but oh. I didn't tell the doctors that I was every night I was falling asleep, gasping for air when I was waking up because mm. I was so scared of going into another surgery. Wow! I didn't want to tell the doctors that, like, like I couldn't sleep and I was. I stopped breathing and I think now it was panic attacks or some type of induced uh, fear yeah. of going to sleep. But I didn't want to tell anyone because I was so scared that I'd go into another surgery and eventually my mum brought my Bible um, and I remember I just clung to it, you mm-hmm. know, like I just clung to my Bible when I was going to sleep. I, I think I was saying like, God, if 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 I'm going to go, please take me, like you take me. Hmm. Um, I remember the pain being so severe that, you know, like it. I just wanted to, you know, die. Um, But yeah, eventually I started to get better and the nurses were so lovely. And in, in that state, you kind of are so vulnerable where you can't do anything yourself. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't take a shower. I didn't shower for so long. Also, I couldn't get my leg wet. Right. Also, you're with young nurses and you know you don't want to to make them shower you yeah it's all these interesting experiences but yeah in a way it was the best thing that happened to me Mm. you know like I had never known God the way that I do now from Mm. that experience you know I'd never been so vulnerable that I needed him yeah you know that I was in a situation where like I couldn't sleep and and I was just clinging, you know, just like really naked and clinging, like just asking for comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Man. Oh, that's so wild. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're alive, Troy. Good Thank job. You. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Every year I celebrate Micah Didn't Die Day. <laughs> Me too. And that's July 22nd. So yours would be March 16th. March yeah? 16th. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right on, dude. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um. Well, man. Yeah. Hope we're in the same place on March sixteenth sometime. <laughs> That's so wild. I'm yeah, I think it's so interesting the way these bad things can happen mm. and you've seen redemption from it, mm. right? And mm. I, I yeah, I wanna I always wanna encourage people when they're going through things to cling to Mm-hmm. You know, to the promise of God mm-hmm. and also to this, this idea of redemption and hope, mm-hmm. you know, where it, it's easy to feel the temptation to just give up, mm-hmm. you know, or to, to kind of quit and mm-hmm. call it, you know, why would God let this happen to mm-hmm. me? He must not love me or yeah, something, you yeah, know? Yeah. When in reality, it's how amazing that something like this could happen to me and my perspective could be reshaped mm. and do you feel you have an enhanced gratitude for life now
1: yeah that's that's a thing like ever since then my life has been so different you know i think prior to that it was just very much going with the motion mm. you know you know living the the path that everyone kind of follows you know like you work save up a bit of money do this and that kind of get locked in work and, you know, you build your life around work and and such and such. And after that, it was kind of like, well, work really isn't that important to me right now. You know, I'm really going through something that is life or death.
0: I Right. Yeah, kind of rearranges your priorities. Yeah,
1: you know, like I don't care if um, I work for a company for five to ten years and I move up the ladder and and all of that, you know, but I Mm. did before. And mm. it's like when I got better and I started going back to work, eventually I was kind of like, I'm just going to quit my job and go travelling for a little bit. And mm. and also the things things have different weight to them, you know, like the small things for me back then where I don't even, I can't, they're so far away now because the small things now are, are big things, you know, mm. but the the things in my day have just changed, you know. I try to be more mindful. Like you said, you know, you celebrate Micah Die Day yeah, and I celebrate Troy die Day and you have just such a gratitude towards that experience and you realise you're not immortal. Right. You know, like you realise things can happen in your life. Yeah, you in know? the blink of an eye, right? In the right? blink of an eye, you know, you realise, okay, I actually am susceptible to danger. I actually... Can have my bones broken, um, and every day is almost like when you can bring back you're just you're just at peace, mm. and even if it does come, or something comes, you have a you have a need for God that you've experienced before. Mm. You have a safety net that you've never experienced before. You know, yeah. Before the safety net was nothing ever's going to happen to me, right? And now the safety net is. God's going to be there for me, Mm. you know?
0: Yeah. I heard a quote one time that said, God protects us from nothing but sustains us in everything. Wow. And I really like that idea where I think so often we get, we sort of idolize protection and think, oh, I'm so safe and I'm taken care of, forgetting that, no, things can happen, you know? And the beauty of that is no matter what happens, God will sustain you, you know, if you allow that. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that perspective Mm. and outlook because I think, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in forgetting our own fragility, Mm. you know, Mm. and feeling like invincible in some Mm. way. And that so often seems to be the time when something happens, (laughs) you know, to sort of remind us of, oh, no, you need help. Yeah. Do you find that, was it... Was it difficult for you? Like how long did you need help from others after your accident to do things?
1: Like physically?
0: Yeah, just and just in general. Um, I couldn't walk for, I think,
1: put, put weight on my foot for about eight months or six to mm. eight months. Um, but it wasn't so much that I needed help from other people. It was more... I couldn't help myself, mm-hmm. you know, like from going to the bathroom yourself or, you know, just getting your own food yeah, um, or just getting something and, you know, you have to be on, in bed or, you know, you ha- you're on crutches later or, or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, I can't get that book on the shelf because I can't move off my bed. You know, I'm not allowed to put weight on my foot. Right. Um and then mentally what that does to you is just it's so painful. Yeah. You know, like I didn't know what I had to I I don't I didn't have it, you mm-hmm. know? And just I'm not sure if you might have experienced this, but you're almost your mind is working against you sometimes. Mm. And that was the hardest thing. Like I remember just just having these thoughts where I like i just i can't explain like i couldn't do anything i was just in bed lying down you know just looking up at the ceiling and yeah and all i wanted to do was you know just get a glass of water right you know like it's it was i didn't want to ask for help i didn't want to you know you know went you know like a, i want to be a man that is independent Right. I don't want to ask
0: for help. I don't want the nurse Yeah, you don't to... want to feel like a burden. Yeah, you don't
1: want to feel like a burden. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want anyone to shower you. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And That's something... It's. I think it's good for people to go through that type yeah. of stuff sometimes. Because so often, no one experiences that until they're really old age, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think it is, a lot of times, a blessing to get that experience at a younger age, because I, I think it helps, um, yeah, just be more aware of your need for others. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's such a temptation to try and do Mm. everything ourselves and to put this, to almost idolize our independence and forget that, no, we really do need one another. Yeah. You know? And also a need for God, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing. I love the way that God works through others mm. and how God can, you know, we can be the hands and feet of God mm. by caring for one another mm. and sort of realize, I think so often people mm. are blinded to mm. God's work in that way mm. and they can write it off as, you know, well, because so often somebody will do something and then they'll brush it off as, oh no, it was God mm, doing it. And mm. it's like, well, yes, but also mm. you, yeah. you know, where there's value in the individual who yeah. helped yeah. and the God that created them, you yeah. know, where it's, I just think it's this beautiful working together, you yeah. know, of the cosmic and the yeah. the um, real life. I can't yeah. remember the other term, i was just...
1: Okay. I like what you said when you know these things happen and they can bring you closer to God Mm -hmm. Um, in a way like they teach you so much and but they break your heart, you know, those experiences. Yeah. And I'm reading this book at the moment by John Bunyan, The Acceptable Sacrifice. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, everyone knows him for Pilgrim's Progress, which I haven't read. (laughs) But I'm reading The Acceptable Sacrifice and he speaks about a broken heart. And Mm. I think it's based on Psalm 51 and where David goes, you know, the sacrifice you desire is a broken heart. Mm. And I'm reading it and and John Bunyan is also talking about broken bones. And I just started reading this book and I just started crying. Mm. Like I was reading it and he talks about why God so esteems a broken heart and why a broken heart is necessary and... It's just so interesting because you don't need a broken bone for a broken heart. You don't need mm. a, like a experience like, you know, I've had or, you know, you might have had or someone else might have had. Right. There are just these things that happen to you that break your heart, that you learn about the truth. And and yeah, you kind of, you know that the truth is God almost in a way because your heart is broken and you need someone to go to. Mm. It's It's interesting.
0: Yeah, I like that. I'd like to read that book. That sounds good. <laughs> I'll give you a copy. I like. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you still work at Kurok? No, 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 not anymore. Not anymore. Not not. anymore not That's anymore. a long time ago. Not anymore. That's how we met, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Troy used to work with my wife. Yes. At a Christian bookstore. Yeah.
1: If you're ever in West Ryde in Sydney, or we have some other, they have some other stores <laughs> in right. in other states. It's
0: a wonderful Christian bookstore. It's only in Australia, right? Only in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I still haven't been. I need to go. Yeah. like us check beautiful. it out. Yeah, yeah. Do you have many Christian bookstores in oh, America? yes. There's not as many as there used to be. Yeah. I know that um, because so much book purchasing has gone online. Yeah. I know that the majority of... Yeah, it seems most books are bought online nowadays. Yeah. There are still Christian bookstores, but they're not as common as they used to be. Yeah. There used to be tons. Yeah. But All on Kindle. Yeah, podcasts, Kindle and Amazon and <laughs> yeah. all kinds of stuff. Audiobooks, books, yeah. Yeah, man. Do you have a favorite book? It's okay if not. There's a lot of books out there. <laughs> and don't say the Bible. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, the Bible is a good one. But... <laughs> um,
1: Suffering by Paul David Tripp was really good.
0: Oh, okay. I've heard of that.
1: Yeah, Paul David Tripp, really wonderful author. Um, I think I read that when I... And come out of hospital for another surgery last year, and mm. and it really is really interesting how he talks about suffering and and why why that happens in in to us and mm. and yeah, it's it's hard to make sense of sometimes. Um, and I think I was in a time where I needed to make sense of it, and just hearing stories of other people going through suffering was some t- some type of comfort to me, yeah, in a weird way. Yeah. Have you ever
0: read Man's Search for Meaning? No, but uh, I have a book, copy at Home. Oh, okay, yeah. good. I highly recommend yeah. that book. Yeah, He mentions suffering, ceasing to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. Wow. And how this, it ties into that yeah. idea of, you know, these bad things happen and how can we redeem them or yeah. see what good might come out of them or what we might learn from it, yeah. you know? And how in gaining that understanding it can really rob the suffering of its yeah. intensity or misery. It's you almost know? like a reframe? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. He developed this whole psychological wow. study called logotherapy. Yeah. Which is all about the search for meaning and how by adding meaning to things you can completely reframe it and change it in your mind, you know? Wow. It's really fascinating because he was in the concentration camps yeah, yeah. and yeah, I like to at least listen to it once a year Wow! just because yeah. it's so, it's just a brilliant book. The first half is him talking about his experience in the concentration yeah. camp and then the second half is him sort of breaking down the logotherapy and wow. what it is. I'd like to read his other books too. I haven't read any others, but that one alone was very yeah just eye-opening to me Yeah yeah wow okay i'm gonna it's have to look one. into that i think you'd like it yeah do you have yeah. any favorite books uh that's one man's search one? for yeah. meaning i love um some old donald miller books okay. that he wrote did you ever read donald miller no he wrote a book called blue like jazz which was really formative in my own faith yeah wow. just because it he was sort of fed up with the church that he had grown up in in texas and like just felt that he had been around so many fake Christians and stuff and then ran away to Oregon and met all of these really far left and kind of hippie people, you know. And he set up a confessional booth at this big university, like Renaissance fair that they Mm -hmm. do. And um, he dressed up as as a priest and apologized to people when they came into the confessional, he apologized to them on behalf of the church wow. saying, I'm sorry, you know, for the way the church has treated you, wow. the way you've been hurt by the church. Wow. Just a really beautiful sort of symbolism and breakdown of that. And yeah. that book was just really, uh, I read it in like eighth grade yeah. and wow. it just kind of excited me, yeah. you know, or made me think like, man, yeah, I love this idea of a loving creator you know and yeah and then he wrote a bunch of other good books um i love pilgrim's progress that's a good book um trying to think i'm reading a book about world war ii right now wow pretty wild yeah what's the book called berlin okay (laughs) it's all about uh the soviet union Mm. attacking berlin Mm. and the end of the war and whatnot Mm. Pretty insane, pretty yeah. sad, just yeah. the way that humans have been fighting wars forever. Mm. And then just the atrocities that go along with war. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, it's. I'm just fascinated by humanity. Just repeating itself. Right, yeah, yeah. just the way that history repeats itself and how yeah. you'd think we'd get past this by mm. now, mm. you know? But it's. I think it speaks to that, brokenness Mm, in humanity mm, and this sort of this need and hunger we all have for mm, the the new jerusalem mm, you know the new heavens mm, and the new earth because i think we yeah you can't deny the brokenness mm, and suffering of the world mm, there's too much mm, man it's so wild that you had your accident right before covid (laughs) and woke up in covid time (laughs) Yeah. Because in Australia, the lockdown was pretty hardcore. Yeah, it was difficult. I couldn't have friends visit. Right.
1: Um, uh, I'm lucky that my best friend came in and I remember when I was conscious, I think I was writing down a list of names who I wanted in a prayer group. And mm. so I had a WhatsApp group and I had a friend check on in on me every day through instant messaging. So, you know, nice. there are still, still ways to connect, but... Yeah, it's a, it was a pretty interesting experience, definitely, uh, yeah. Man.
0: what's uh? What do you feel is something you're... You came to our Friendsgiving that we had. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what you said you were thankful for. Were you there by then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, no, you yeah. were, right? I said okay. It's
1: probably hard to remember everyone. It is hard. <laughs> I said I was thankful for how God worked in mysterious ways because... I hadn't seen Rupert in, in about a year and a half and mm. I think I was off Instagram at that time and I went on Instagram and out of the blue, like a friend that I met traveling in Singapore was like, hey, wait, before you deactivate your Instagram, like I just need to t- need to talk to you about travel. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll keep Instagram for a few days. Huh. And I went on Instagram and I saw Rupert having uh, Indian and Sri Lankan also food called dosa. Yeah. And I was like, I love Dosa. Which place are you at? Um so I messaged Ripper and she told me and later she was like, Are you free? We have a Thanksgiving and there you go. Oh, that's so Yeah, good. so it was just a just the most random occurrence just to reconnect. And I think I was saying at that Thanksgiving I'd seen two people, Renee and Anthony. Yeah. Who I hadn't seen in about five, six years, and they wow. had kids now and And then I saw you again at a wedding, at a mutual friend's wedding, which was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And yeah, just how God works in such mysterious ways in the smallest of things and and ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so beautiful how even in little details, Mm. you can see the hand of God. Yeah. 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 Man. Uh, We were talking a little bit about marriage and whatnot after the (laughs) wedding. You don't know if you ever want to get married, yeah? Who said that? (laughs) I don't know. You're you're trying to be in a place of oh, just being okay with yeah whatever,
1: right? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. It's a good topic to talk about for for anyone, I think. But you know, me being a Christian, you know, we talked about it. Singleness is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of the times when we grow up, you know, we we want to be in a relationship, of course, because it is that tangible companionship. You know that. And right. we so I so desire with God, sometimes the tangibility mm-hmm. and you know you have a partner, and you know nothing sweeter than having a partner and saying that you love them and they say, "I love you back, and you know you show it, and they show it and and just really experiencing that physical kind of life given love that's brought out into the world mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, when you're single and you've had the end of relationships you kind of start to wonder, you know, are you going to get into another relationship? What is the meaning of a relationship? And can I just be content being single? When you're growing up, all you want to do is be in a relationship. And now for the first time, I'm kind of like, I'm really not yearning to be in a relationship at the moment. Mm. And it's so foreign to me, you know, I've never felt that way. (laughs) I've always wanted to be in a relationship and now I don't, mind that I'm single at the moment, you know, I'm really Mm -hmm. still clinging to that need of God every day. And I'm trying to find comfort in that and trying to learn in that. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with one of my best friends and we asked each other, you know, if God told you tonight you're never going to marry, would that change the way you lived your life? Mm. And I answered yes. And I think I told you briefly, but it would change how I kind of took more risks or you know, if I went traveling or did missionary work, or you know, didn't settle down as much. Yeah. And then, yeah, we came to the conclusion that if I think that me doing something is going to make me the author of like a sovereign story, and I'm not a creator, then I'm kind of taking place mm. of God. Um, right. It doesn't matter if I go overseas and do something, or if I stay in Sydney. I think that if it's written, it's written almost. Yeah. You know?
0: No, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we get so caught up in trying to write it ourselves.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. With anything, eh? Which,
0: and I think there's, I can understand the validity of that sometimes because I think it's important mm. for us to make choices and Definitely. decisions based on what we desire and what we want mm. and the life we want to build, mm. you know? But I do think that's one of the biggest and beautiful, most beautiful things about faith and trust mm. is realizing I don't have to write all of this, mm. you know, but if I can sort of operate from a place of trust, mm. living the way I know I'm called to live, mm. you know, or holding yeah. the values that I'm called to hold, yeah, yeah. then everything else will actually fall into place yeah. as it should. right? And I, I love so much the idea of not having to worry, yeah, you know, because I think we so often, especially when it comes to relationships and yeah. singleness and things, we yeah. it's so easy to get caught up in, mm. uh, is anybody ever going to love me? <laughs> you know, and it's so important, I think, to surrender that, mm. you know, and just trust that, yeah, if you are, if God has someone for you, mm. you'll find them, mm. you know.
1: And, but also if God doesn't have someone for you, that doesn't mean that's not the story that right. is the best story, right? Exactly,
0: yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, too. I think singleness so often gets this sort of mm. bad rap, Yeah. you know, as in, oh, you're not being a real man or yeah, yeah. you're not living up to your full potential by, you know, participating in this, you know, family building, Yeah, you know, ma- the sacrifice of marriage and all these things. And in reality, I think singleness... It, is so valuable. Yeah. You know, and even especially even in the Christian world, I think so often we can almost people have been limited by their fascination with being in a relationship, yeah. you know, or their they're like clinging and needing of it so yeah. bad. Yeah. Where they have missed out on a lot of opportunities they could have had. Yeah. Had they surrendered in their singleness and realized, yeah, you know, actually I trust you, God. Yeah, And if you don't want me to be with anybody, have your way. Yeah. And then there's grace, right? Bless <laughs> Excuse you. Excuse me. <laughs> Bless wow. you. Thank you again. <laughs> and there is it, always grace. There's
1: grace. And, and grace comes in different shapes and sizes, right? Like mm. marriage is grace and singleness is grace, right? Right. Like, you know, I always love to think what if questions almost sometimes. Mm-hmm. and And one that I had thought about recently was... You know, what if God could use singleness to reach more people? What mm. if God could use marriage to reach more people? Right. If we knew the answer to either for our own lives, like we would choose the one that, well, we inherently would want to choose the one that reached more people, I think. Mm. You know, and I think sometimes grace grace is given to all. It doesn't look the same for everyone, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's cool. What I love so much is the way we get so caught up in, oh, I better make the right decision in this moment, Mm. you know, to make sure I'm lining up with God's will, forgetting the fact that he's actually sovereign, yeah, you know, and so the decision that we make might not be as important as we are making it out to be, Mm -hmm. because if he's sovereign, no matter what decision we make... Mm. If it was the wrong one, redemption will abound. And mm. if it was the right one, grace will abound. Mm. You know, and vice versa, like... Mm. Like we get either course way. corrected. Yeah, yeah, either way, things will go and work as they should yeah. in the long run mm. because Jesus is Lord, mm. you know. And it just takes off so much pressure, mm. I feel. I think we get so... We put so much pressure on ourselves mm. and yeah. embrace pressure from others mm. thinking... Oh, I have to do this, or I have to decide this, or, you know, get all of these accolades or mm, specific things, mm. forgetting that, you know, actually, if you just follow the commandments of love the Lord your God mm. with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor, it's amazing mm. the way things can work out, you know, just trusting in those two commandments. even. Mm. And that's much easier said than done, of course, <laughs> Yes, you yes. know. But I think it's a just a beautiful way of sort of releasing some of the pressure mm-hmm. that we put on ourselves and except from others realizing that it's it's gonna be okay.
1: Can I you ask know? you a question? Please. When it's easier said than done, do you have any like strategies or practices that you try mm. to use to bring you back to truth and, and rest in and promise?
0: Um Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in just Making it a priority to actually pray, Mm. you know, to remember to pray. And then even, um, I I feel so fortunate to be married to Rupa Mm. because she's so good at these daily practices Mm. of, you know, reading the word of God and actually praying and making it a point to go to church Mm. and spend time in healthy community, you know. Where just that alone, I think, is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Where I realized when I was on my own, living on my own, it was way harder for me to continue practicing these things that I desire to practice, but mm-hmm. just don't put a mate. I wasn't making a priority mm-hmm. because I didn't have the helper, mm-hmm. you know, or the. I think it's one of the most beautiful things about marriage mm-hmm. is the way you can kind of encourage one another with your actions and mm. try and be better for your partner. Mm. And I love that. That's been super yeah. helpful to me, I feel, and just helping me realize, you know, I want to I want to become more like Christ so I can be a better husband. Yeah. And that's still easier said than done. Yeah. But it's easier done
1: yeah
0: having a helper that actually yeah. wants what's best for me and actually yeah. loves me despite my brokenness. You yeah. know,
1: I love that man. That's that's oh. grace. Example. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs>
0: that's it's awesome. wild. Yeah. Well, Troy, we've been talking for a little over forty minutes now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you have any final thoughts for the lovely listeners of Oops, I Missed Church.
1: Yeah, I'd like to piggyback off Mike's ending actually, and and yeah really really look at those rituals and and practices that that can bring us kind of closer to when it's easier said than done you know like mm-hmm. i really take inspiration from that you know like every day there are going to be inevitable challenges right and mm-hmm. and kind of bringing yourself back to prayer or or really that clinging need or whether that could be as simple as listening to one worship song or or you know reading one one verse um, yeah, it's, it's really kind of like those, those strategies and, and practices that we, we employ that kind of pursue God almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've inspired me.
0: Oh man. Likewise, <laughs> Troy. It's been so wonderful to have you on Thank and, you. uh, yeah, I'm just so encouraged by you, man. I think you've got such a beautiful light and you carry so much, um, just obvious gratitude. I can tell that you are grateful and that is so encouraging and inspiring to me because i think we're living in a day and age where people are forgetting the importance of thankfulness Mm. and i see that you live it out and so thank you so much man
1: thank you for having me absolutely
0: ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening you've been listening to oops i missed church the podcast i'm your host Micah leverton go and love your enemy